Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Hilford, joined by James Downs. Oh, I was first. And Josh Brown. You're dead to me. <laughs> Pulling a little sour face, sour puss, sour, sour puss. patch kid Ooh, in the corner because I didn't invite him. I didn't invite him. Didn't introduce him first. You didn't invite me, Scott. Didn't invite him. He's here anyway. You can't do anything about it, whether or not you introduce him first or not. This is the What Culture Gaming Podcast, though, and we're going to go through a whole bunch of questions that we initially got, I think, two weeks ago. Well, yes, because the go plan on. was, you know, we did that initial question yes. uh, podcast because everyone so graciously gave us a lot of questions. And then, we, then we were going to do a follow-up, but then Last week, we ended up talking for half an hour about <laughs> multiverses versus Smash Brothers, which came out of nowhere. The biggest question of the industry right now. <laughs> Absolutely. So we got through as many questions as we could the first time. There was always a carryover of the uh, the main question submissions a couple weeks ago, or however long ago that was. That was during the heat wave, I think. We were melting. Times of that heat has yeah. literally melted my brain. Yeah, I don't really recall sure. when this was. We have a bunch of more questions to get through, so we'll get through as many as we can. However, I want to know, James Douse, are there any updated thoughts on Nintendo versus Warner Brothers? Have you thought about multiverses? I've not. Anymore? I've honestly not thought about it at all. Well, I what do you mean? did. What? Why has multiverses <laughs> not been in your brain over the have past you- week? So last time we talked, you hadn't played it yet. Yep. So that's the question on my. Oh, list. he's oh yeah yeah. What he's, do uh, you think? I think it's in. quite good, James. Yeah. Well, this is the thing <laughs> okay. we talked about this briefly on air the podcast on Monday on the wind up, and I don't really have much to compare it to. Like I said, you know, I'm not a huge Smash Brothers fan, mm-hmm. but this taken on its own, it's a lot of fun. I've been playing as Superman, doing super punches <laughs> in absolutely battering form. I probably killed the hopes of a couple 13-year-old online players of the weekend, <laughs> and I have never felt better about myself in my life. I can only recommend playing as Taz and uh, putting okay. salt and pepper on people, eating them, and then spitting them across the arena. It should be illegal to play as yourself. Yeah, it should be. I did a weird noise there, but it's the only noise that I can make when such an accurate <laughs> statement is made. Other than Taz, what Carry is on. your favourite character then? Um, I like playing as vice versa, I like yeah. playing as Wonder Woman a lot. Uh, I think that she's just really solid as like a fantasy style character, sword and shield kind of thing. Um, I like Taz. I've not. No one's really getting me. Like I think you'll find this when you finally play it that it just doesn't. For me at least, doesn't really hold a candle to Smash. I think it's solid enough. Um, but it just makes me think of Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers is so much faster, so much weighty, more weighty. 
Um, the combat is just way more satisfying. But I, I have been enjoying playing as Wonder Woman. Um, there's like the random like banter of like, oh, I can play as like um, dude Finn and Jake from Adventure Time or whatever. Um, but it doesn't doesn't wow me. Realistically, we should get this set up in the office because today yes. Scott and I. Well, to be fair, it was Scott playing the arcade mode of Tekken Three. And I, was I offered watching. the man versus. He said, "No, you go first. I said, "Okay." Well, the thing uh, was, I was eating James Douse. Mm, I just was. wanted to see you. Were you. Eating James Douse. <laughs> I was really hungry, man. He's busy in the corner. Salt and pepper. I had him over the stove. It was a big thing. Fling that sandwich, got me done. It's just the leftovers here now. Yes, but it was really good. So instead of Tekken 3, though, what I think is, you know, sometime this week when we're all in again, we should set up multiverses in the break room and we should actually, you know, get the full office playing it because I think that will be a lot of fun. And that's why I think multiverses is good because you have the opportunity to do that because it's free to play. I don't know if it's local multiplayer but that I, Smash Brothers is but no one has any controllers for that and it's too much money so I don't know about multiverses well, Smash Brothers yeah. yeah but everybody has a Switch at this point don't they so well, everyone just brings in their own little joy card. maybe they do but then someone like Mr. who might or may, may or may not be called Josh Brown may or may not have a copy of Smash Brothers may or may not think <laughs> that's a reason one copy one copy multiverses. you're not wrong we, yeah. Yeah, we could set things up so small it is that's why you get a dock but will you okay James Dows yeah. will you bring in your dock no <laughs> exactly this is like exactly. Nintendo like on, on the stand being <laughs> being interrogated as to what their, their priorities are touching my switch speaking <laughs> of priorities and we'll get through a whole bunch of questions and um, first one from Dougie who said what are some gaming podcasts that you recommend I love what culture gaming of course um, and adore let's fight a boss but would love to discover any more James Dows or Josh Brown Ooh. any picks for this I can recommend some if not no, you go Josh first, Josh. Just you discovered go first. Podcasts. Well, this is the thing, because um, <laughs> yes. this is actually a little bit of a confession. When I'm home in my private time, it sounds creepier than it is, yeah. uh-huh. I, I don't, don't actually like to listen or watch things that are similar to do to my job, if that right. makes sense. And yep. it's not because I think I'm the best at this. <laughs> I'm absolutely categorically not. Uh-huh. But because I'm so scared of accidentally ripping someone off that uh-huh. I don't want this to... I, I want to... I want to know that every time I do one of these podcasts, right. we do like two a week, right? Yeah. I want to know that everything that I say is something that I'm thinking and not something that I've accidentally picked up from another podcast because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, 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 I don't know. I've, I've, I've always been, had a weird thing for that. And so it's not because I don't love other, the idea of other gaming uh-huh. podcasts. It's because we talk about this stuff so much every week right. that I don't want to go home and then listen to other people and, you know, talk about the exact same things. That said, you put me on the play, watch, listen, yeah. which uh, I really enjoyed. Yep. I need to uh, watch more of that because mm-hmm. I like the YouTube side of things. And listen to it. Uh, and listen to it as well. And yeah, and listen. Play, <laughs> watch, listen. I'm, yeah, that I massively agree with everything you've just said there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only listen, I know this is completely unrelated, but I listen to Conan uh, podcast. You? <laughs> you know, the, uh, the Clueless Gamer podcast? Is that a- no, no, no. It's just, just Conan him, and it's just him interviewing people. Oh, okay. Very good podcast. Highly recommend. Uh, Nothing to do with games, though. Fair, fair um, Gaming-wise, I used to listen to like the... Funhouse podcast, if you remember Funhouse. Uh, I never did, but I know what they are. Yeah, yeah. I used to like them. And then, I feel like I'm the biggest pod- podcastsman. No, I just, I, I really love podcasts, but like, I usually go like, if I go for a run, I listen mm. to a podcast, mm. so it feels like somebody's talking in my ear whilst I run, it's really mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gaming, not okay. ga- I can't do gaming. That's fair. I respect it, and I love it. Yeah. I can't listen to it. I know what you mean. I would <laughs> For like, the exact same reasons you've just said. That's it. It's the same with like some videos as well. Like when I watch uh, gaming um, content on YouTube, yes. it'll be stuff like video essays, which we don't do here mm. because yeah. it's like different to we the content spate. we produce. Yeah. Yes. I, I always remember a quote from Edgar Wright when he made Shaun of the Dead. And obviously because he made uh, like an iconic zombie film for years afterwards in interviews, he would get people saying like, so what zombie films have you enjoyed since? And he's kind of just went, I got that out of my system. You know right, what I mean? Right. I still love the 
genre, but I kind of, I did it. I was behind the curtain mm-hmm. and now I don't want to consume, I can't consume it as a fan anymore. Yes. And that's kind of the way I am now, where it's mm-hmm. like, I can, I don't want to be comparing this show that we've got now to other shows, if that makes sense. That's and that's so... just because I'm a weird, insecure boy. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it, that is the yeah. truth, I suppose. Yeah. He's a lovely man, but I do think that um, for me, I mean, like, yeah, I was brought up on the, it was the, the hotspot back for GameSpot and then that became Giant Bomb stuff. Um, which has now become uh, Next Lander and Jeff Gerstmann going th- their own separate ways kind of thing. Um, so Jeff Gerstmann, he's only just launched his new podcast, which is a whole history of gaming because he was born in like 76 or whatever. And the genius title of Game Boys to Men is now what their podcast is. So I would shout out Jeff Gerstmann's thing if you like old school um, gaming history stuff. Next Lander is the other half of Giant Bomb, or at least I like, well, four-fifths of Giant Bomb because it's like the dudes that were at Giant Bomb that were at GameSpot that are now doing their own thing. I think they're kind of cool. I used to keep up a kind of funny but I dropped off um, uh, when it was uh, Greg Miller and Colin Moriarty when they first went solo so I do still check in with kind of funny every now and then and same with uh, Last Time Media which is Colin Moriarty's thing um, some of his interviews have been really cool he'll get like different figureheads on um, that like other companies might not have talked to and shine the light on certain game projects and whatever um, so I think just then but my main go-to um, you mentioned Play Watch Listen um, that is the combination of Alana Pierce Troy Baker Austin uh, Wintery and Mike Biffle so you get like all the like the acting side of gaming the voice acting the coding the um, whatever else Play Watch Listen I think is one of the most educational ones if you just want to know stuff about how the industry works I would shout them out um, but yeah in terms of like week to week I don't really have one that I'm like dying to listen to like every week. It used to be Giant Bomb. There was like a, there was a, over a decade of those guys being absolutely stellar um, and they sort of just like have gone their own separate ways now. Um, but yeah, Playwatch Listen, I think if you value the creation of gaming, I would massively shout them out um, and they've got tons of stories within. No, go on James Dowson. I was going to say, I just realized mm-hmm. completely remember, when I render videos out uh, after I've worked here, whatever, mm-hmm. I always, I just realized, I listen to the IGN podcast for oh. Next Gen, I think it's called like that and it just right. talks about whatever. I always watch that. That's I cool. I completely forgot about that. I looked at, um, there was something I had to look up the day one of our bosses was asking how the podcast is doing so I had to look up where we were and we were number eight in the UK charts is that true? on the Apple yeah. chart and we were beaten by IGN so oh, that's <laughs> whatever it's me who's done that yeah, but I'm like but still it's uh, it's nice to see I think we were 50th in North America it's I'll funny. take that too I talk about this quite often on, on this podcast but it's weird doing this podcast because unlike YouTube where you can instantly see like the metrics and mm-hmm. stuff I never have any idea how this podcast is yeah. doing which is why I love doing these um, <laughs> questions yeah. uh, these question podcasts mm-hmm. because I'm like oh people actually listen and like care enough to ask us questions and I really appreciate that so much before we move on go on past the podcast yes. topic could I recommend some non-gaming ones you can and because then I might recommend some more gaming ones okay, but go good. on yeah. yeah I want to recommend um, a podcast called You're Wrong About which I absolutely love in mm. fact I just subscribed to the Patreon for this podcast recently it's it's a uh, it's a podcast hosted by two people uh, and it's all about like topics from throughout history that you're wrong about essentially where the public popular narrative has kind of like transformed a topic into something that it actually wasn't so it kind of One gets of through yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it kind of gets through like like the, the narrative of a story and kind of gets to the truth of it and there's so many things that have kind of like spun out of control that you probably don't know too much about mm-hmm. and like there's some really interesting ones for instance about Princess Diana like, right. like the truth around that like behind the headlines and stuff and I sometimes I get to one because I'm a big 
arrogant mess. And I think I know all about that. And mm. then they dig into it. And I think I've just learned everything there. Yeah, that's cool. So much information. I, I love that as a general approach in life. I love drilling down to know, okay, exactly what happened, exactly yeah. what was said, exactly what was the original core thing that span out. Cause there's so many examples of things well, like that. There was a great one, not just to just make this whole podcast about another podcast, but mm. there was a, a great example is they did a deep dive into, you know, Tom Cruise's appearance at Oprah back in the day. Oh, yeah. And like that gets like kind of brought out of context so much and he's kind of like labeled a crazy person. And I'm not saying Tom Cruise isn't a crazy person, but within <laughs> yeah. this instance, there's so much fascinating context around that moment mm. and how it was, you know, taken by the internet and made it to something that it wasn't necessarily at the time. Mm. And it's on about like public figures and celebrity and how... Th- how we approach celebrity has changed from the early 2000s to now with social oh, yeah. media and stuff. I just thought that was really fascinating. How can you justify him jumping on a sofa? Well, because, James, and again, you're going to have to listen to the podcast, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, that's You fair, know what? I fair. can't spoil it here. Spoil it. I feel Don't like the Family Guy version of Tom Cruise on Oprah is what people think of when they think of the real Tom Cruise, where yeah. he's just freaking out and going upside down. See, like, I think of the scary movie 4 yes! version. <laughs> yeah, Make sure. Yeah, there was a, yeah. a point in time. I, that that um, thing that you just mentioned, the whole idea of misrepresentation of stuff and celebrity changing over time makes me think of the sad Affleck stuff when it was like not that like, everyone sort of dove into why was he actually quite sad in that interview it's like well there was a reason like he wasn't just randomly like bummed out with the fact that he was being the worst Batman in quite some time um, but <laughs> I don't think he is one of the worst Batmans of all in quite some time but um, yeah stuff like that is always worth um, uh, focusing on next question from Flash Trobot who says what gaming story theory do you wish was true even if the developers have said it was not i.e. Squall is dead in Final Fantasy 8 have you ever heard a story theory that completely changed your opinion of that game. Now, I do have an example of, of this, but I don't know if you This can. is a great question, yes. and I need to think about yeah, it, so could you okay, go okay. first? This is a bit of a tough one to leap into. My go-to for this is always Mass Effect 3's indoctrination theory. God, yes. Um, <laughs> not because I necessarily wanted that to be true, but I wanted anything to be true other than the reality of what we got. And so, um, reading into you know Bioware, the amount of interviews that they've done since Mass Effect 3, which now is coming up on like a decade, if not more mm-hmm. than that, um, it was just that thing of like, okay, you guys really didn't have anything else. You really did just sort of fly by the seat of your pants. A lot of the plot points really were written on napkins and you were, you were making it up as you went along. And so I always just wanted something else to believe in. And I remember people floating the indoctrination theory almost immediately when that game's ending was so disappointing. And just, in retrospect, hilarious. Yeah. Like, hilariously stupid. That It's just a, a colour filter on um, on a particular cutscene. And so my go-to back then was indoctrination theory, but that was just because I, I just wanted something to save Mass Effect 3, and nothing could. Dude, what a time that what was. What a time. I remember watching an Angry Joe video that was about <laughs> 40 minutes long, where he was going through all of the evidence. All of the evidence, by the way, which I had already seen on yes. Reddit. But it was just great to have someone verbalise it. Yep. And he hearing it all, you just kind of have this confirmation bias about it. Well, it has to mean something mm-hmm. else. It has to mean more. And then you realize, maybe as you kind of know more about video game development, that sometimes assets are just reused. Sometimes corners are cut because video game development is hard, mm-hmm. especially when you're putting together a game of this scale in the space of a it couple of years. It was though, that they'd said, um, Corey, what's his face, who's not Corey Barlog? The other um, guy. Co- what is his Corey name? Corey someone, the, the creative director, whose name I'm sadly forgetting. Um, Casey... 
Hudson. Casey Hudson. Yeah. Um, literally said it won't be an A, B, or C ending. And then it literally was an A, B, or C <laughs> ending. And I was just like, things like that, where you're like, okay, you must have had something else in the works. You must have had something else to this game. And that wasn't the case. I will throw another one in here um, that abandoned was Hideo Kojima's Secret Silent Hills project. Because um, that thing, one of the funnest videos that I've ever done is talking at Josh Brown for about 20 <laughs> minutes um, of all the uh, <laughs> all the evidence that was online to that point. And I didn't believe it, but it's fun to go along that road, to go down that rabbit hole. Um, and just the whole thing about the font was called like San Antonio or something. And then that was a place and there's a street called Silent Hill in there. And that's what that means. Um, and all the stuff with the color wheel, there was a font color and that wheel spelled out SH or whatever it was. Um, stuff like that. I think it would have been really fun if Kojima was involved in some way with that thing and the reality was that he had nothing to do with it whatsoever it was just some dude getting carried away um, call back to Last Time Media. Uh, I should have said Sacred Symbols. That's the PlayStation podcast. Um, but um, Hassan Karaman was on. Moriarty interviewed him. Um, and they did have a very like frank discussion about, like, okay, what the hell are you doing? What's <laughs> happened? How has the marketing got away from you? And what was really going on? Um, so shout out to that as well. I have one, if you will permit mm. me to jump in. Speaking Always. of Hideo Kojima, uh, for me, can you remember, James Dowes, do you oh. know anything about the Ruse Cruise from <laughs> Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain? <laughs> the idea was that because that game was, you know, patently unfinished, you know, it was clear that Kojima just had to uh, clean up whatever the hell he had and, you know, push it out the door. That's why there's a lot of repeated uh, missions in the game's second chapter. It's why the cutscenes barely stitch together. It's why the story kind of goes off the rails. Final cutscenes on the bonus disc. 100% yeah. in the second half. There are chapters that were deleted from after the game finished that was supposed to be in there, all of that stuff. And the idea was that, you know... Kojima was intentionally making us feel a phantom pain <laughs> for the end of the game that we didn't get. Have us pining over the fact that this wasn't finished and then deliver a final mission that would wrap everything up in kind of, you know, pop everything off. And again, like the indoctrination theory, it was all over the Reddit, all this confirmation bias <laughs> that, yes, this final chapter was going to release in a few weeks and it never did. However, I even away from that, I do like the idea and it helps me rationalize that game's ending that, you know, you're supposed to feel like a part is missing because that is the phantom pain of, you know, you've got this ending to the entire saga and yet something about it feels off. Something about it feels incomplete. And I do quite like that in theory. If it was intentional, if he'd laid down the crumbs, the pieces for that intentionally, then if it felt remotely intentional, that might have been one of his greatest tricks. Then he's disappeared and you long for Metal Gear and whatever. Um, I love that thing in, I think it's in Ground Zero's bonus mission where you erase the history of Metal Gear. You go around with that weird erasure light thing and you erase all the logos to get rid of everything and then it's like, that was like him just sort of bidding farewell but we didn't know what he was doing back then. But he was clearly done Um, and that was him like uh, reducing his entire agency in that franchise. Uh, Repeat the question again for me. The question was, what gaming story theory do you wish was true, even if the developers have said it was not true? So I'm going way back in time here to the school playgrounds of my youth. (laughs) Um, Please do. Yeah, and I remember uh, everybody had a copy of Pokemon Ruby. Pokemon Ruby, Sapphire, Emerald, all those things. Very nice. You could get Deoxys if you talked to this person. (laughs) It's like, whoa, no, you can't. You couldn't. It turns out you couldn't. That was all on the school grounds going up like Mew underneath the truck. Yes, yeah, yeah, There's yeah. so many things that you Missing talk to like your older brother and they'd be like, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And then you just play for the next 20 hours and it's not true. 
old schoolyard gaming rumor stuff yeah. is some of the absolute best stuff. Like mm-hmm. the using the Exploder cheat cartridge to like, you know, access all oh, the sequels in there if you just put yeah, the real yeah. code in. Yeah. Um, or whatever. I yeah. had one for uh, Fallout 3 uh, that said, I think I saw this on like a gaming forum way back in the day, 2008. Mm. And someone said that if you get your radiation level up to 100 or whatever it was, uh, you would turn into a ghoul. And that didn't <laughs> sound <laughs> ridiculous at the time because this was a Bethesda game, uh-huh. right? Oh my and God, in Oblivion, yeah. you could turn into a vampire. So why couldn't you transform in their next game? Mm. So I kept throwing my character to their death by jumping into toxic waste, <laughs> having them be radiated for long periods of time. I like spent hours trying to get it mm. before I realized that they're probably lying. <laughs> and yeah, I can't yeah. find I tell any you more what, information about this. All of this has made me think of the biggest ruse in my own personal gaming history, which was believing that Bigfoot was in San Andreas. Yes. That, yeah, yeah. that absolutely dominated. Like, I'm, like you said about school playground stuff, that was like that one kid who lies about everything saying that they found yeah. it. And oh my God, if you go to this, these coordinates and whatever. And I think I've told this story on a chatty face years ago, but me and my friend Steve, um, we literally, this, we had coordinates of where we were supposed to go because you can get map coordinates for that map. And we went to a specific point in the forest. It's called Backer Beyond, I think, in San Andreas, where you're away from all the cities, you're surrounded by forestation and uh, you just have to wait. And it's, oh, if you wait, when the clock strikes 1 a.m. in game, um, you'll see it or whatever. Um, and I remember just being terrified. We did it like late at night and we were sitting up, like we're both just watching this screen and one of the, the like a weird light came on like in the sky. It was just a UFO. It, sorry, it was a plane in the game, <laughs> um, which a lot of people said was UFOs, but it was just distant planes or whatever. We're waiting for the for Bigfoot, waiting for something to happen and then just having to accept that no, he wasn't in there and uh, Bigfoot wasn't real, nor was um, Leatherface, who some people said was in there as well. Right. There was a okay. variety of characters that were okay. all in San Andreas, uh, which I think speaks to how big that world felt. But um, yeah, chasing Bigfoot yeah. Um, in San Andreas would absolutely be one of my biggest ones. Um, in terms of a story theory that completely changed your opinion of that game, I don't think I have any for that unless you guys do. But we can move on. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I've seen some good... I'll tell you, I don't want to toot my own horn. Go on, James. Okay. Uh, uh, do you want me to go? I do want you to go. I'm thinking... Uh, <laughs> can you repeat it again? <laughs> yeah. story, story what? It was a story theory that completely changed your yeah. opinion of that so, game. So Halo 5, I mm. always mention that game because the pre-marketing for that was outstanding mm. and everybody thought it would be a game where you play as Chief on the run, yes. you got the little cloak on and whatever like that, and none of that ever happened. No. So the theories for that game was better than the game itself. That's a really good point. Yeah, because yeah, considering that that was... The, I remember IGN went with... Um, Halo 5's marketing lied to us all or something like that yep. and I was like, well, that was one of the first times I'd seen someone like IGN really really just go for it like yeah it was it was a completely deceptive uh, marketing campaign and like you just said there's nothing in there that relates to hardly anything that was in the marketing yep. um, and Microsoft or Xbox themselves said that yeah the marketing department had fun with it and it's like yeah <laughs> did they look at what they were marketing or did they just have fun with it <laughs> had nothing to do with it um, I do want to quickly mention again I, I said I want to toot my own horn but I do like the idea of Red Dead Redemption 2 literally being Dan Houser's farewell to his own mentalities within uh, Rockstar his own design ethos his own scripting the way he would script games the whole idea of um, GTA and the Warriors and Bully and Manhunt all being these sort of like um, you know wayward games that were outside the norm that were breaking all the rules and there's no place for that anymore in the modern gaming industry um, well there's no place for old school GTA or whatever Rockstar used to be and that's what Red Dead 2 is I think that's his big farewell to all that stuff the whole death of lawlessness in the West and the introduction of, um, of rule systems and you know modern day America as it was the early 1900s um, I like all that stuff so I think I mean I, I made a little video about it but that's what it was what, really good it was thank you I, I liked it I have two as well Bring to it. cap this off that they are they 
are fan theories, but they are supported by the text itself mm. because they are two very interpretive games. Yes. Uh, one is about Dark Souls 3, and it's by Jacob Geller, who I shout out a lot on this, did a really great video essay on how Dark Souls 3 is about like how things have to end, how nice. video game franchises can't just keep continuing, because that game got a lot of um, crap when it came out for being kind of like lazy, mm. for being very fan service heavy. You know, it has a lot of repeat boss fights. It has you going back to Anor Londo. Another it, Poison Swamp. Another Poison Swamp. It feels like a victory lap of the whole series. It feels like it's repeating ideas. And a lot of people said, that's lazy. Why are you just like resting on your laurels to get a cheap pop? But in this video, it very eloquently put that, like it's doing that for a reason. It's doing that to show that these cycles keep continuing with diminishing returns. Hmm. And the whole hmm. franchise is about, you know, rekindling the flame, restarting the age of fire, you know, mm-hmm. keeping things going as it were. And sometimes a leap into the unknown is better. Sometimes gaming franchises have to end. Sometimes things in life have to end and you can't keep um, pushing them forwards because, you know, it starts to lose meaning. You know, the yeah. world starts to collapse on itself. You need that progression. And I always thought that that made me view that game um, in a different way and it made me appreciate those repetitive elements way more. And another one has to be my boy Metal Gear Solid 2 uh, Sons of Liberty because that game is incredible and there's a really seminal video by um, Super Bunny Hop Yeah, uh, their critical close-up of the game that's quite decently old now but that kind of puts all of its kind of weighty themes into perspective in a way that I had never comprehended before. I remember watching that when I was like 17, having loved the game and completely missing this entire philosophical layer (laughs) of what it's really about. And again, that's also... There are two games, both Dark Souls 3 and Metal Gear Solid 2, that are about video game sequels, that are about um, video game franchises and are commenting on the nature of how video game sequels are produced. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's neat. (laughs) Oh, man, the whole thing in Metal Gear Solid 2 that I don't think you even get... We we didn't really know what we were getting in for back in 2000, 2001 or whatever it was. All the conversations towards the end of that game about, like, digital information sharing and, like, the idea of people online being in their own little communities and how people won't talk to each other and everything else. I've seen a lot of people um, share clips from the Colonel's final speech in Metal Gear Solid 2 now and just be like we are living this now like yeah. it's just, it is very um, it was very sort of um, future predicting or whatever there's a word for that that I can't think of prescient it was it was very prescient what's the when you uh, precognitive I think it was very um, aware of where things were going Kojima kind of has that I know people pointed to that for Death Stranding and just said lol the lockdowns have happened this is Death Stranding the game but if you uh, watch the end of Metal Gear Solid 2 he pretty much nailed the depiction of a digital ran e- e-commerce style future um, that we're now in so I think I know that's not necessarily a theory that is the text but it was a theory back then and uh, it's only it's only come true over time um so i think if you go back to that now it's it's eerie how he could be describing 2022 and it's exactly uh, applicable yeah because i mean he's talking all about like the digital age and the move to kind of like online identities yeah. and such and like how that fragments and it's uh, back then it was so kind of like you know yeah whatever kojima 100 you know <laughs> okay this is a worst case scenario mm. and then you start living it and you think maybe that dude was onto something and like content and just junk content just putting yeah. stuff out for the sake of it and the churn and all that kind of stuff next question ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint mobile unlimited premium wireless ready to get 30 30 ready to get 30 ready to get 20 20 20 ready to get 20 20 ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month so give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. From Jordan Buchanan Key, who says, what are your thoughts on more and more devs offering special slash collector's editions of games with steelbook cases, but no physical game? Seems a bit cheeky to me. Keep up the Amazon podcast. (laughs) Keep up the amazing podcast. Love listening to you guys. Well, thank you very much from all three of us. Thank you. Uh, And also, um, yeah, what do you think of the whole whole ongoing trend of you're buying the merch, the tat, and nothing Mm. else? See, I don't buy physically anymore. I couldn't tell you the last game I bought physically. That's interesting, because you said this yesterday, Josh, that like, um, because I said I'll buy physical if I'm planning on trading it in later, but I'll also buy it if it's like a really super fancy edition, like Elden Ring. Elden Ring, I got the fancy edition of that. Um, But my go-to with physical is is the plan being that I'll trade it in later, even though game trading is is such a rare thing now. Um, But yeah, do you think that's just, it's just the industry addressing that, that people, if they do choose physical, will want to keep it for longer, which is the thing that you said. Yeah, I mean, I suppose when you're selling a special edition like that as well, you have to take into account that some of these consoles that are released right now, mm. right, are digital only as well. You can get a yeah. PlayStation yeah. 5, that is digital only. You can get an Xbox, that is digital only. Mm-hmm. And I think you would be 
kind of alienating those players and those fans if you didn't have the disc in the actual box. However, that said, I love discs. I love steelbook cases. And if I get a steelbook <laughs> cases, I want the bloody disc in there. You know what I mean? Does I want it, a little manual in there as well. I am so lazy that I don't want to get off the couch more than I yep. need to. I, I think that's what you... That's I, what I just yeah. I want to hit a button and I want to pick another game. I don't want to get up and change the disc. The thing is, though, right, I ask you both this. When yes. it comes to a special edition, like you were saying that if I... I get it physically now. I mostly buy digitally, but if I get it physically, it's for a game that I really love. Again, mm. like Elden Ring, yeah. like The Last of Us Part 2 or whatever, mm. you know. Uh, and I want the kind of process, the almost religious process of having to go to a cabinet, open my nice steel book and put it in. But I also like watching the logos before the game starts as well. So that might be a You do thing. have that, don't you? Are yeah, you doing this yeah. in like a vinyl kind of manner where you listen I was to thinking on Spotify vinyl. and then you buy the vinyl? I hadn't what thought I about that right, but that's precisely yeah. the mentality. Yep, uh, the vinyl mentality yeah. is exactly what but I'm How expensive to. vinyls are, I can only justify doing that for one medium and that's why I do music. That okay, okay. And that's why I do digital games. Right, okay. I mean, it's not really the same because I'm not I don't I don't want to buy the game twice. Digitally, you can't trade it in. Yeah. But I true. do I do respect it that you can trade in a physical disc. Do you think that like does it feel like you're not getting a certain amount of value that was there beforehand if you open up your collector's edition and you just have a code to download the game? Does that bother you guys at all? It, well, I can I'm not much of a we we again we just got we talked about this like off pod the other day, yeah. weirdly enough. because uh, when I buy special editions, which is extremely rare, I've never bought a top tier one. I've never right. bought one worth like two hundred pounds or anything. I you're usually out. I usually just pay to get the steelbook, and that's because especially now so much of the content you get from those special editions is in-game like it's mm. in-game costumes it's in-game buffs and I don't want any of that stuff <laughs> if I get a pre-order bonus I remember getting um, it was The Last of Us Remastered right way back when and I bought that game new and it came with a like buff to get certain weapon upgrades sooner. Okay. And I yeah. thought, no. No, it breaks things. It breaks yeah. things, you know? Yeah. When I got Deathloop for review, for instance, from Sony, mm-hmm. it was like the top tier version. So you got a few um, weapons that were like pre-order bonuses and they were so good it almost broke the experience. <laughs> and I was like, Sony, why are you giving me this? this I, I mean, I, I appreciate that, but the, the guns are breaking Yeah, man, the, like the that whole thing of like once games became like, like obviously had that reliable digital connection, the amount of games that come with um, super deluxe edition weapon item whatever it is that breaks progression I hate that stuff um, so my go to when it comes to pre-ordering is a cool figure it is something that, that isn't in the game itself um, because for me that is like the value of it I think it's interesting in regards to people um, companies removing the discs because that disc itself is only worth like a quid a, a dollar yeah, whatever yeah. it is um, it's the if you ever look into music production like the um, the amount that a CD costs to make is like 20 pence or something um, it's very very small it's obviously the licensing and the, uh, the data that goes on to that and all the deals that go like into that data itself that oh, well, that's where the money comes from so I think I guess when you know that side of it you don't need your disc but at the same time if I'm forking out that much money for a collector's edition there is something in having the disc itself yeah. Um, yeah. to be able to play it going forward that's a whole other thing is the conservation side of it as well one thing I did appreciate with I think it was Skyward Sword didn't you get a um, bird ami- amiibo from oh one of the one of the versions came with that yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I love that idea because you can actually but then again it was kind of break game breaking was mm. it not that thing because it like made you fly into the sky or whatever I think, it was. yeah I think you could take to the skies yeah. more than but you that would that was be able a cool to. little collectible that you can put on a shelf mm-hmm. um I I just loved amiibos never got them though I love amiibos never got them stuff like that's good though I don't like when you get a special edition and you get kind of 
pins or stickers, just because I personally don't use pins or stickers. However, a little <laughs> nice statue is great. Yep. A little nice notebook is great. It's just when I get these special editions or when I look at them, I'm always wanting what I like and they just don't cater to me and that's fine. Mm. You know, caters to a lot of people, but just not what my about taste. key ring? Nah, man. Like, okay, I respect <laughs> James Dallas, I don't own a wallet. Why would I need yeah. a key ring? I well, would... you don't put key rings on a wallet. No, but what I mean is, like, I just like things loose. I like... I saw a tweet the other day. <laughs> sorry, yeah. I saw a tweet James the other day. James Dallas again, <laughs> <laughs> I'll eat your head up. I just saw a tweet the other day that was like, uh, you know, like... Uh, men just kind of go out into the world with their fists in their pockets, no bag, no nothing, and they somehow survive, and I, I want to live up to that tweet. Why? You don't have a... I, I, what? You haven't got a wallet? Nah, man. No <laughs> just wallet. a loose pocket of change and notes? And yeah. It, what it, if it falls out? It uh, broke at Christmas, and I lost my um, ID for about six months, and then yeah. I found it again around the flat. <laughs> it's great. But, but you mean you've just got cards in your pocket? Like, yeah, look. Just, Hang on. That's, that's what chaos. I'm doing right now, dear listeners, is showing them just the loose Ooh, cards that's, that's and identification. Do you not use like Apple Pay or whatever for nah, payments? You know, nah, nah, just loose change. How I'm are you the not? Same. I only carry my phone. Right. Yeah. My girlfriend does that. She just pays through yeah. her phone for everything. I've not yeah. carried my wallet in months. How Please. are you guys not in a state of, of constant anxiety that everything is falling out of your pockets at all times of the day? No, I've that's, only got a phone in my pocket. That's what it. if it falls out? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. my phone could fall out. But in terms that's of the, the wallet stuff, card, loose change, loose change. I mean, I don't use money. I hardly even use physical money anymore. Yeah. I had to use a coin for something the other day, and I was like, remember these? Physical remember a money pound like, coin. is retro now. It's like vinyl. It it's is. It feels back. like it. You need it for a trolley at Tesco, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's all I use money I used for. it to buy a little plush monkey when I was yeah. uh, I was over at the lakes. But still, um, I don't know what I was talking about. Probably. Well, I, was, I was actually going to Go say, um, I remember when I was 12, I don't know, I pre-ordered Professor Layton too. Yeah. Diabolical box. And I got a oh, Pandora's box. So I got a um a key ring with that. And I've still got that key ring. Right. Well, that's yes. cool. On my key ring, yeah. That's exciting. It's a little it's a little Professor Layton. I associate key rings, and yeah. this is no judgment on their value, but I Brilliant. associate it with like gift shops when you go to the seaside. And we used to go on a lot of school tat. trips, tat, yeah. in like the, you know, the teachers would be like, you're only allowed to buy a key ring. Yeah. And I'd chuck that you thing You can't keep in the living sea. by these rules, so. I can't. Can. <laughs> Why are you living by this? I don't want a key ring. 25. No, that's fair. He's talking about key rings, right? Go on. They make your pocket big. I don't want my no, pocket. if you get a nice bulging. one. I'll tell you what. Do you have any car keys? The other day, I accidentally put my key ring in the same pocket as my phone screen. No. This was not. Oh, the that's bad. Though. Yeah, and that's why I've got a massive scratch on my oh, phone mate. screen now. No, man. So yeah, I respect his decision not to carry anything. Uh, Thank I you. do, and I don't. Yeah. But I just, I don't know. I've I got, was gone. Sorry, I, mean, I keep no. just budging in because I'm do just it. so passionate about the subject. I was literally leaving the house this morning. Key ring. You know, I had like some like like just <laughs> assorted items in my hand, and my yeah. girlfriend was like, "Just put them in a bag or a wallet." And I don't want to be encumbered by a bag. Like I don't want to wear a bag to work. This is, the, this is the core of it. You've played too many Bethesda games and you don't want to be over encumbered and it's come through into your real life ways of being. I'll tell you what, one time the most free I've ever felt was wearing a fanny pack at a festival. Yeah. You can pop anything in that. <laughs> What's the Ameri- the Americans call bum them? No, yeah, we no, call, we call them. We call bags. it bum bag. They call it funny. Yes. Pack. Okay. No, yeah, those and things. Our audience is American, isn't it? Well, the glo- yes, global. Yeah, yeah. So that one fan in Cambodia is losing his mind right now. I don't know what they call them. But um, yeah, those whole things. So we talk about storage solutions. That's what you want, mate. Yeah. Ditch, your, ditch the wallets. Get the fanny pack. Honestly, I, w- I highly recommend. I've heard like it changes people's lives. And mm. I was watching a movie the other day called Emergency. And it's about these three characters. And one of them has a fanny pack. And mm. the others kind of give him a bit of grief mm. for it. But he has items in there that come in handy yeah. every step of the way. Mm-hmm. And at a festival, you need those items. Yeah. I once had a wristband, a leather wristband with a, with a zip on it. And it, you could put stuff in it. And I That's put, cool, put money in it. <laughs> 
and, uh, and it, yeah, it was cool. It didn't it didn't clasp shut very well. That. Again, the anxiety of the of the modern life, but yeah. It, yeah, it was good. I used to have a coat in that Innovation. I had a hole in on the inside, and right. that was my pocket. I had my whole life in there in school. <laughs> Sorry, it wasn't a coat; it was a blazer. And it was just a hole like in it. I feel it like great. we need some sort of timer klaxon for when we talk about non gaming things for too long because I do insist that this is a gaming podcast. However, the industry itself is not producing any video games. That's so <laughs> look at the state that we're in. Cargo pants, people wear those, don't they, with little pockets on the trousers? We do have more gaming question. Yeah, yeah, on the three quarter trousers. They always have pockets, don't they? That like is true. what your dad would wear, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I would wear some cargo pants. I like pants. some cargo pants. Yeah. 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 I went to a festival with a fanny pack. <laughs> Imagine little, all the storage little, you've got. With all your point. cards and your coins and little, as much as you need. Right. All the hot dogs. Go on, then. Let's talk about games. The next question, <laughs> the only game in town, is from uh, Harry Paulette, who says, Do you fear for GTA 6? Now, you take that question however you want. Depends if the character has a fanny pack. A <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. hey, wearable inventory. Well, there's not a single game with a fanny pack in, is there? It must be. Nah. You could probably get them as... In GTA 5, you can get fanny packs as, yeah. uh, like... Can you put stuff in them? I don't know about that. Oh, interesting. Maybe, maybe weapons. Maybe. Samurai that, swords. If, I'm not sure. You know in Fallout, when like they Fallout 76, when they charged for the, the, the chest to keep your stuff in? Yeah. Charge for a funny pipe. You could do that. A little wooden one. That would be good. Yeah. And then I would start buying special editions. With a hinge? We've circled yeah. it back yeah. round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going back to GTA 6, though. Go on. I'm not worried, man. Like, no, no. I, I know there's plenty of reason to be worried. It has been so long. A lot of the creatives have left. True. Uh, how can it possibly live up to the hype of GTA 5? It However... Can't. The GTA series is stronger than ever, in my opinion, Scott Telford. GTA 4 owned, GTA 5 owned, and I think Rockstar's last game, Red Dead Redemption 2, is one of the best games of all time. I'm so, furrowing the old brow because they couldn't even get the definitive edition right. Yeah, It wasn't them. Well, they should have looked it over. They should have, but it wasn't them making it. Is what I'm. Is my caveat. The head chef gets blamed for the dish. They do, and rightly so sometimes. But that said, it's. I don't think it's indicative of Rockstar's quality. I think that's indicative of Rockstar's <laughs> quality assurance, <laughs> internal quality assurance, yeah. and of course the efforts of Grove Street Games. I don't think it's um, that is a reflective of Rockstar Studios as a whole. That is a very good point. I think the amount. If you talk about what Rockstar themselves have put together, then that's that's a ton of GTA online stuff, which is fine enough. Yeah. Um, and then Red Dead 2, like I mentioned before, is so much Dan Hauser, at least in terms of the um, creative direction of it overall. Um, I don't know what GTA 6 is going to be. Like, there's there been recent reports on it. There's some stuff from Bloomberg. We've got a, a video going out soon, uh, wrapping up all the latest information on it. I just don't... Rockstar just aren't Rockstar anymore, and for better or worse. Like, there's definitely some stuff that is for the better when you read into the reports as to what their um, company culture used to be like. Um, but I just don't know. I think it's been such a long in the tooth franchise. I think it belongs so much to the early 2000s. Um, and then they tried to mature it with GTA 4. A lot of people didn't like that. GTA 5 was then immature again. And then GTA 6, I'm like, what the hell? What even is this? What do you do for G for Grand Theft Auto at this point? Yeah. Um, and I don't want it to just be, I don't want it to be in the shadow of any other open world crime game. And I don't want it to be like Saints Row, which is coming out later this month. So I hope that it has an identity to it. I hope they find a, a way for it to be. I think it will just be wacky. I think it will Zany. be as wacky as possible so you can buy an air plane you can buy a blimp and all that kind of stuff because <laughs> obviously gta 4 didn't have an airplane did it um, no it did not no it only had helicopters yeah yes and i remember when they brought it to gta 5 that made me like oh i can fly around and do that right. stuff and then i went on gta online fairly recently and everybody's just flying around <laughs> but that's the wackiness that people desire still mm -hmm. isn't it so that's what it will be it'll be crazy i want because there's the leaked stuff is that it's a bonnie and clyde inspired story with twin protagonists yeah. and I, I like the idea of bringing back the zaniness to the mission design i just i want more open-ended mission design it's what i love about the old school games where it's just like this target needs taking out figure it out like that's what i always love about assassin's creed it's like you can find any x number of ways to go infiltrate and take 
take this person out. And in GTA's case, if that means driving a van over a cliff and it lands on them, then that's really cool. Like I want it to be that open-ended again. I, In my case, the thing that I fear or don't want is that super scripted stuff that was in GTA 5 and Red Dead, where it's like, stand here, use this gun and shoot them at this direction. And if you don't, you fail. Go do it all over again. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want GTA or Rockstar games to be a stage play. I want them to be way more uh, interactive. That's you thinking that they'll actually put time and effort into the single player. <laughs> <laughs> don't do this, James Dowes. <laughs> Why would they? <laughs> Why would they? They, got him. they They need to. That would be the only thing that would make me worry if they announced like a really pared back single player campaign. But just going off Red Dead Redemption 2, I don't think they will. Obviously, they will have so much um, effort going into GTA Online. That is to be expected. Mm. But as long as the main campaign is substantial and cinematic and kind of lives up to the level of writing that was in Red Dead, mm. even GTA 5 I really enjoyed the characters in that game mm. um, then it will have something appealing to me. I love getting a new GTA game because it means I have another world to live in for a little bit. Mm. I always talk about how I know intimately the streets of GTA 5, the same was uh, said about GTA 4 and as long as they nail that sense of immersion in the setting and have some good characters and some you know memorable set pieces, honestly I'm easily pleased when it comes to GTA. I don't even need it to be this kind of world-changing thing. I just need it to be good. <laughs> I do feel like the, the crime sandbox genre, like a lot of people have been talking about, a lot. what was my sentence? A lot of, been, a lot of people have been talking about <laughs> the fact that Saints Row is coming out and just how rare the crime sandbox genre is right now, like how sparse it is. And you try and think of any crime sandbox game, maybe even since Saints Row went away. Like it feels like every single company decided, well, we're not GTA, we're not GTA Online, what's the point? And I like with Saints Row coming back, I hope that that encourages more I hope that genre comes back overall, but it makes me wonder what GTA does to either differentiate itself or they just double down on the on the tenets that they've been um, you know put in place in the first place because that means that they get to stay the king regardless. I just hope they do something that pushes things forward. Like Red Dead Two tried that stuff where it was like the conversation system and you didn't realize that you were going mission to mission to mission. It wasn't as like signposted like it is in, in an Assassin's Creed game because the conversations took you somewhere, the animations did or whatever. And I want GTA to kind of do that. I hope it does something. I hope it evolves things um, and it's not just another. GTA. I don't want Rockstar to be Ubisoft or whatever. Do you know what's odd? It Go was on. 10 years ago. Yeah. Like It will be next year. I love GTA 5 probably because I was 16. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was a very like teenage voice. Like, wow, look at this. Yeah. Isn't it? That's what it was. Well, that's kind of what I mean about like Grand Theft Auto or GTA being like a, yeah. it's a young person's franchise. And now that we're all 10 years older, is it still... Well, that was what they, they, kids. Yeah, they tried to like imbue it with a bit more maturity in GTA 4. And I was going to say you can argue there's mature stuff in GTA 5, but for me, barely. Like, I think that like some thematics, probably the torture stuff, like some, or you probably shouldn't torture people. Like, there's not that much to dissect in GTA 5. Um, but granted, like you just said, I've not played it since 2013. And so, like, I guess I, I'm curious what it, just what it feels like, what the marketing ends up feeling like, um, and whether they end up steering towards an old-school Rockstar feel where everything is uh, soundtrack-backed and it's got stylish writing or whatever, or whether it's more modern-day and more GTA Online-focused. And look at the memes, look at the stunts, and it's Battlefield 2042. So mm-hmm. I guess we'll see. Um, next question from Faithful NPC who says, First off, thank you for the Neon White recommendation. It's epic. It is, and you guys should play Neon White as well, as well as anyone else who can hear my voice. He says, Question, do you have any games slash genres you adore but you won't recommend them to other players? Um, for them, it's 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. Great game, but I won't recommend it to all my gaming friends. Um, 13 Sentinels is like an insane, I don't think it's turn-based, but it's like, it's insanely long. It takes forever to get there. The lore is incredibly complex. I've only heard about this game and it's super intimidating and I want to play it, right. but apparently it's just inscrutable so I guess it's uh, it's very hard to get into but any picks for these it's a great question gentlemen 
what comes to mind initially is the Sinking City, which is a oh, yeah. like action adventure game that is based on uh, Lovecraft stories. Um, and it's like open world. It's like a detective game, so you're solving cases. Mm. It's by the people who made the Sherlock Holmes titles. So Bullfrog. if you played one of those, no? Bullfrog. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe yeah, you'll know more than me. It's by the people who made the Sherlock Holmes Frogwares. games. Frogwares. Frogwares. <laughs> uh, so it's very similar in kind of terms of its structure to that. But I wouldn't recommend it really to people unless you can get it heavily discounted mm. because it's kind of so repetitive in a lot of ways and it is so janky in a lot of ways. <laughs> but it has a lot of like kind of spirit to it. It has a lot of ambition. And if you kind of like are a fan of uh, kind of like the mythos of uh, that was I said that with an accent that was mythos really, when it went really intense for that. If you're a fan of the mythos of uh, Lovecraft, then um, I think you'd get a lot out of it. But it's not something that I would come into the office and say, Scott, you should go and buy the Sigurd City for forty pounds. You know, I no find it nigh on impossible to play something that I like and not immediately tell people to also play it. So I don't know if I have one for this, but I, I was just thinking of it down the lens of what is like the Nickelback of games. What is the thing that I think is big and dumb and fun that I can get away with that has like that whole thing. If like if someone listened to Nickelback and they went, oh my God, what is this? And I went, look, I grew up with it. It's all right. I don't mind it. I like how big and dumb and stupid it is. Um, I wonder what the video game version of that is. And it kind of feels like it's old school um, like melee brawlers, like urban rain, um, or like old school gore fest stuff, like the old Unreal tournaments, or manhunt, or like whatever. Maybe Mortal Kombat, but I would still recommend that to a lot of people. Um, but I think the people who there's a whole wing of people who take Mortal Kombat's gore seriously, and I'm just I'm the opposite of them. Like the whole idea of like, oh my god, I can't possibly watch this. I'm like, well, it's better be caught. It's itchy and scratchy. Like it's not going to be real. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I think it would be something like that. Like I, I absolutely adore old school 2000s over the top dumb BS. That's what I grew up on. Give me Breaking Benjamin on the soundtrack and whatever's <laughs> happening on the game or I'm just killing stuff. Um, like I showed you that Gungrave trailer today. Yeah. They're rebooting Gungrave for like no reason. Um, and I part of me can go for that. There's a game coming up called Evil West, which just like looks like the most 2005-S possible and I could not be more up for it. Do you know what I'm thinking? I agree with you on the jank. Like yeah. games <laughs> that are janky because I played uh, Golf with Friends the other day for the nice. first time because it's on that PS whatever premium service. Sure. That is awful it's that game is so <laughs> bad but that was the most fun I've had because I played with my brother on it that was the most fun I've had on a game in a long time okay because it was that bad right. uh, PUBG when that first came out that was awful as well <laughs> that was way more fun than I've ever had on Fortnite really yeah what made the, it fun the awfulness of it <laughs> I, I keep using that word but like a game that just doesn't look like it was polished at all mm. somehow has more fun in it I think if, if, if it's like, game. yeah, if it's like you and a bunch of friends all just like sub- trying yeah. to make something work at once, that can work. Well, that's what Sea of Thieves tried to do, but it was too polished mm. to an extent. Mm-hmm. I they think wanted you to make up your own fun, but it didn't work. I think there's something to that when something has such a level of jank that it yeah. is great to play, but you couldn't possibly in good conscience tell someone to pay money for <laughs> yeah, it. Exactly. No way. I feel yeah. like the world is telling me that turn-based combat stuff is not cool. And it's I don't not, know, my friend. I, just says who? Me. Why have you not played Final Fantasy 7? <laughs> but that's so good. And so every, every time when we talk about any Final Fantasy thing, I, I send you a little letter or I t- talk to your <laughs> face directly and say, play Final Fantasy 7 or 9. And the word comes back from a father. No, I'm not doing that in 2022. So I'm have to put turn-based stuff on here. When I was younger, I played the Kingdom Hearts games and there was one for the Game Boy called Chain of Memories. There was, yes. And that was turn-based. You had to use cards and whatever. And that just ruined my love for a lot of things. I think that's the only one I would like. You know what? Funnily enough, like Kingdom Hearts generally, 
I don't think I would recommend that to anyone. No, I had a no, lot of fun no, with Kingdom no, Hearts I agree. Three. I agree. But like you, you yeah. would be institutionalized if you yeah. gave that game to someone who doesn't play games. If you talk about games that have like a laundry list of like caveats, like okay, like I give you this. But also be aware of this, 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 this. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts has the longest one of those lists. You it's cannot just play it. No. Like, it's impossible to just play it. I remember you started Kingdom Hearts 3 as your first one. Just mad- madness. Head was gone. I, I didn't <laughs> yeah. finish it because I couldn't. I, yeah. I, I couldn't comprehend what was happening. It was it, like like it, it was like a game speaking a different language. Yeah, like yeah. literally a different language. It's unfortunate that you have to start with one, which is the worst. In my opinion, anyway, the, worst, the least strong one. Right. Two is the best, in my opinion. Right. But you can't play two without playing one. And before one is birth by sleep, and then you've got to play three, five, two, one days. After. And then it keeps going, man. There's so many games. Three, five, two divided by nine is one of them or something uh, as well? Sure. Hey, yeah. I've, got a, I've got a potentially controversial pick for this as well. Okay. I don't know, I've just done two in a row, but it's, I'm taking over now. Do this, it. Is, this is pirate radio. Um, Spider-Man 2 on the PlayStation 2. That game doesn't hold up. I went back to it recently. So did I. The, the swinging's really uh-huh, fun. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The missions can be dog yes. and not great. True. And the voice acting is bad and the graphics suck. Ultimate Spider-Man <laughs> holds up. Spider-Man 2 was great for the time. It revolutionized, uh, you know, the open world genre in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is still great now to swing around on. The physics in the swinging are good. But I would argue in 2022, that's the only good thing um, about it if you don't already have a nostalgic connection to it I would say that yeah. was always the only good thing about it like the it's the the, vo- the, the no one like the missions back then I did no there's the train fights not too bad the Mysterio boss yeah yeah I guess he's better on PS1 when you the, the one that's narrated by Stan Lee the Spider-Man game yes that's the, that's the one you want um, I've actually got yes. one more thing for this do it uh, movie tie-in games uh, I used to love the Cars one, whatever, and recently uh, I played Ratatouille. Yes! Which <laughs> <laughs> is also on the PlayStation oh, Premium service. That thing. Worst game I've ever played in my life. <laughs> but I passed the controller to my girlfriend. She had a whale of a time. Was but, it her first video game? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> but no, she played it, and I was watching, I went, I, I don't want to tell anybody, that. I mean, I've just told everybody. <laughs> I don't want to tell anybody I've just played this game because it's that bad, but she had a great time. Does she know your true feelings on Ratatouille? Well, I'll, I'll leave the room when she plays it. Okay, so she <laughs> she may or may not listen to this podcast and discover the horrifying no, truth no, no, as no. to what's James, happening. James, like I don't want to, you know, make cast cast aspersions on your private life, but are you sure no. your girlfriend doesn't have a tiny little rat in her hair that <laughs> yes. is controlling her and making her enjoy yeah. playing Ratatouille? Yeah. She doesn't speak, my girlfriend. She only uh, squeaks. <laughs> anyway, not to worry. We've been rambling for the longest time. We're a born a rambling man. Now, this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Hilford, joined by Josh Brown. Always a pleasure. And James Dow. Squeak, squeak. Squeak, squeak, and we'll catch you next week. Squeak. Goodbye. That was brilliant. Bye-bye. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.